At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is the Run Line, VSIN's premier baseball betting show. With Adam Burke, here's Ben Wilson. Hi, everybody, and welcome in. It is the Run Line here from VSIN, the Sports Betting Network Memorial Day weekend edition as we come to you from downtown Las Vegas, our Circa Sportsbook Studios. Back in the saddle with Adam Burke. Great to be back with you, Adam. I'm Ben Wilson. Brian Ortega, our producer behind the glass. So much to get to, Adam. We got a lot. We've got the regression report, as always. We've got some traditional staples of this show. We'll have the regression report. We'll have real or fake. A new segment called Cross Them Off. We'll talk defensive metrics, first five, all the things that are staples of the show. But, Adam, at the same time, we've had, we've had craziness basically every week, it seems like, that you and I have at least been on the desk together. And once again this week, the, the slap heard around the world. We need to get your <laughs> – anybody who has watched the show before should have known this would be the first thing we'd start with. Oh, of course. We, we need Adam's – Hot take thoughts on the Tommy Pham, Jock Peterson dispute over fantasy football, which leads to Jock Peterson and Tommy Pham. They get in a little kerfuffle. Tommy Pham suspended three games today. Who is in the wrong here, Adam Burke? Which side are you taking? Oh, that's I wasn't sure you were going to go in that direction with it, but I think that's pretty Somebody's interesting as, as far as who was in the wrong. Somebody's got it. I mean, it's right. got to be Tommy Pham here, right? Like, I mean, I've I've never slapped fantasy, anybody over fantasy a, football dispute over a fantasy football dispute. The funny thing is, I mean, what it was it was about money. So what does he do? He goes and gets himself suspended for three games without pay, loses six figures in the process. Not a bright decision. So, uh, yeah, no, not a bright decision at all. But uh, I, you know what? Fun story, if nothing else. Fun story. I would just say, if you're, if you're playing in a high-stakes fantasy football competition, which apparently these two were, and you don't know how to properly use your IL slot, like, what are you doing playing in a high-stakes fantasy football competition? That's, that's a good just point. My, that's just, those are my... Two cents. Okay, that's, that's all. That's I'll a really good point. All I will say that that is also, our ninety-second well, discussion. I mean, on this. Tommy Pham seems like he's kind of getting a reputation around the league as yeah. being a guy who's maybe an un- unsavory, maybe not teammate, but just not a super well-liked guy un- around the league. I feel like unsavory. Okay. So it's an interesting. I don't interesting know. Interesting adjective. Just, yeah. I, I just man, it's Ooh. also funny to me. So he gets <laughs> yeah. three games, right? Uh huh. Like okay, so you know you get you throw at somebody on purpose, you get a game, maybe two. You know, if you throw 99 at somebody's head, you get two games, you know, but you get three games for slapping somebody before the game even starts. Yeah. Uh, the, the wheel of discipline, the wheel of justice around sports. Rob is, Manfred, is everybody. Up. Rob Manfred. All right. Well, that, look, Rob that's, Manfred. that's an appropriate way for us uh, to start the show. We do have some top headlines, though, to get to. There are some serious things going on at and we've reached Memorial Day weekend. So we have a pretty good sample size now on a lot of things, but it has not really slowed down 
the number of injuries we've seen, though. And there was one team in particular that's gotten really hard, hit hard at him since the last time we were on the air together over the last week. Freddie Peralta of the Brewers, Brandon Woodruff, two of that team's top three starters as part of a really impressive rotation. They both go down. It seems like Peralta's injury is much more severe than Woodruff's right shoulder strain. Craig Council saying he is going to be out for significant time. That was the quote from Craig Council to reporters earlier this week. Then Brandon Woodruff leads his start over the weekend against the Cardinals. They are saying he is doubtful to at least be in his next turn in the rotation. So a IL stint could be coming at him. We just saw them play the Cardinals. Cards a split with the Brewers. There a four-game series. Is this your? Is this a buy point at least for you, Adam? In the in the St. Louis Cardinals futures market here. No, I don't think so, but there are a lot of concerning things with regards to the Milwaukee Brewers that we'll talk about a little bit later on in the show. Some of their metrics and you know games that are close to the middle, middle innings, stuff like that. But the thing that's really concerning here about this is, you know, Freddie Peralta last year only throws 29, or two years ago during the COVID-shortened season, only throws 29 and a third innings, makes one start, 14 relief appearances, then goes all the way up to 144 and a third innings in 2021. Now he gets hurt. And so my thought becomes... Is he just the first of many young arms that went from a really small sample size in 2020 to a big sample size in 2021? Is this just something that we're going to see now throughout the rest of the season? That's, I think, a pretty big concern. It's also a concern, too, that, you know, I think Milwaukee's offense is going to regress. We kind of talked about that on last week's show Mm -hmm. a little bit, but they live on their pitching, right? I mean, that's just kind of been their MO for a long period of time now. Now that Peralta's out, right? You know, will Eric Lauer be sustainable? I think that's a really fair question. Brandon Woodruff had struggled anyway, but you know, I watched a, a post-game interview with Brandon Woodruff after leaving that start with the, the ankle injury. And he's like, look, I finally felt good. Like I felt good about my stuff. That was the best I've felt in the start pretty much all season long. And then leaves with the ankle thing that doesn't seem like it's going to be major, but you, know, you hope that a guy has a lower body injury and doesn't alter his mechanics, doesn't create some sort of issue, you know, with his shoulder, with his elbow, something like that. It's a, you know, not a bad time of the year to have to sit Brandon Woodruff down for a start or two, but still, you know, it's never really anything that you want to see. Now we'll see how their depth gets tested, and also their bullpen's been used quite extensively too. Right. Does replacing these guys in the rotation create more of a bigger workload for the bullpen? Especially as you were just getting, as you mentioned, Woodruff back into more of a rhythm and then exits. We'll see, like Aaron Ashby, he's been a guy they tried to stretch into a fifth starter. Eric Lauer, you mentioned as well. And we've also seen Adrian Hauser, whose ZRA is sparkling, even though it seems like he's pitching in and out of trouble every single time he takes the ball. So that's the story for the Brewers. They are now up to $4 favorites at DraftKings to win the NL Central. That's why I posed the question, Adam. It it seems like like to me, and we both are invested on the Brewers here, we've got those preseason futures on them at about minus 170. So like that from the number, but cards at plus 275, three and a half games back. There are some questions here for Milwaukee pitching. think it's at least worth the discussion. So we'll, we'll... see how that plays out uh, here going forward. I guess and, I'll ask and, you, you know, though, because I know I, right. I generally play the analyst, but I'll ask you, how sustainable do you feel like the Cardinals are going forward? You know, I mean, they're crushing lefties right now, and maybe they continue to do that all season long. And, and I mean, Paul Goldschmidt has gone nuclear over the last three weeks, basically. But there are some flaws with this team. And I don't think the pitching staff is really all that good. The bullpen, I think, has overperformed a little bit. I think the the question is maybe less about the Brewers and more about do you feel like the Cardinals can be the team that hangs That's around? A fair point. And to me, the Cardinals are a very, I would describe them as a very scatterbrained team right now. And this last series was a perfect example. You split two with the Brewers where you, you look so good in two games. Of course, you, you face Corbin Burns today and he strikes out 11. And, right. and, and the offense does nothing. They get shut out in that game. But there have been some outings and 
And Adam Wainwright has had a big a drop off the ledge this year. He and Yadi Molina, they like they used pitch comms together for the first time. I don't think that was a coincidence that two guys who are 40 years old who've had so much success are all of a sudden now trying something different because things are clearly not working. So I'm with you from the sense of I'm not really buying the Cardinals as a legitimate October contender. Having said that, we have seen this organization. They find a way to win 80, mm-hmm. 85 to 90 games basically every season. They will be in the mix. To me, this is a question of can, can Milwaukee sustain what they've been doing so far? It's not like the cushion is huge, at least to me, huge enough to warrant a, a minus 400 price, but that's where we're at uh, so far. And, and it's, it's why, too, you know, we look at Memorial Day weekend. We've gotten to this point. We have a really good sample size, even with the somewhat late start to the season. And if take, uh, take a look at some of the season's betting trends so far. I think there are, and, and you've pointed this out, in a number of your appearances across the network, Adam, there are a lot of different things now that you can look at and find value for uh, going forward. So as we take a look at some of these, there's, you know, there's, there's a variety, but uh, what's crazy too is even with, we think about, okay, sample size is decent, right? The big, the big talking point was no, no home runs flying out of the park with the humidor introduced in all the parks. Pitchers were allowing home runs uh, at league-wide less than, one per nine inning. That was, I mean, that's down a, basically a half. It was 1.4 in 2019, 1.3 over the past two seasons. So we were on pace for 4,400 home runs. That was compared to just a shy under 6,000 last year. But uh, we've seen now, Adam, and you've, you've been out in front of this, in the month of May, 17.5% increase. We're now back up over one home run per nine innings, 1.1. You see uh, the teams and how they rank. By at-bats per home run, not a surprise to see the Yankees, Angels, Strohs topping that list with the Reds uh, way down at the bottom. Uh, what have you made, though, of, of how things have seemingly leveled off here just from a, a general runs and home runs perspective here and how that, how that impacts the betting market with our daily totals? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, hitters adjust, pitchers adjust. Guys have kind of figured out, you know, what's going on with the baseball. They've made some alterations to their swing. Pitchers have made a big adjustment in the sense that they're not striking as many guys out. You know, if you look over the last week to 10 days the strikeout percentage is down around 21 percent which we haven't seen since basically 2016 2017 so the strikeout rate's gone down we've got more balls in play and also too you know it's getting warmer and i you know i remember reading prior to this or you know early on in the year when we had had that complete power outage in the month of april and the early part of may i remember reading about how a lot of people were saying look the humidor is having a significant impact in the colder weather but once it warms up and the outside humidity and the temperature kind of you know outweighs how the balls are stored, we should see an uptick in offense, and we have. I mean, we've seen some really significant offensive days over the last week to 10 days. If you look from a WRC Plus standpoint, which is a sabermetric stat that we talked about on one of the first shows that we did together, since May 20th, not including today, WRC Plus of 109. So 9% better than league average to this point in the season. So offense is on the rise. The amount of balls in play is on the rise. Home runs are on the rise. And there are a lot of factors with this. One of them, as I said, being pitchers pitching more to contact. But also when you look at some of the teams and some of the ballparks where offense is taking off, Boston, Fenway Park has become Fenway Park again. You know, they are scoring a ton of runs. Even road teams are coming in there and scoring more runs. We're seeing runs on the West Coast. We've got over 20 in this Blue Jays Angels game today. <laughs> we do. You know, we, we're seeing a lot more offense in some of these deader parks right now. And I think a lot of that has to do more with the weather than anything else. That game, Blue Jays Angels, total of eight. 
Seven and a half juiced over in some shops. We had eight runs in the third inning alone. Yeah. So that thing was over. They're still playing. It's 11-10 there, top of the ninth. Jose Barrios was awful. Once again, ERA now nearing six as he gave up six earned in two and a third. Not much better, though, from Patrick Sandoval and the Angels. So uh, Jay's trying to close it out. They're about a plus $1.45 underdog coming in against the Angels. 11-10 in the top of the ninth right now. It's funny. We, we, we have the we have the cross. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Some off segment coming up later, which is new to the show. We also have the time to panic segment, Adam, coming up later. Blue Jays offense is on the list. And I mean, what is it? Do we, we just think of these thoughts in our head and all of a sudden these teams break out of slumps? I mean, what's going on here? Every, everything for the regression report right before we do it. Yeah. The positive regression or the negative regression shows up every time. That's why you smartly stuck with a team very near and dear to your heart, which is where we go next with the regression report. We'll also update you on Sunday Night Baseball. We have Phillies and Mets. That is underway. So much to get to here as it is our Memorial Day weekend edition of The Run Line here from VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Since Premier Baseball Betting Show, this is the run line. Welcome back into the run line from VSIN, the Sports Betting Network, talking all things baseball on this Memorial Day weekend. Back with Adam Burke and Wilson. We've got a bunch of games that have just wrapped up, couple still in progress. We'll talk about Sunday Night Baseball in just a moment. I know one game from the afternoon slate that caught your eye, Adam Burke, was this ridiculous outing between and I mentioned we have cross them off coming up I think at least one of these teams will be featured Rangers A's I know a game everybody was watching and betting on where you had a situation uh, in, in Oakland where Dane Dunning and James Caprellian uh, it was a spot where the Rangers were a slight favorite A's win but it was very bizarre when you look at the actual box score Adam how this thing actually developed bizarre ugly messy whatever you want to call it here so the A's walked this one off on a two-out single uh, but in this game, the A's had 14 hits. They drew six walks. Texas had five errors. <laughs> the A's were three for 20 with a man in scoring position. They were two for 19 before the game-winning hit. So, uh, look, I think this is a really important thing to point out, though, because as I just talked about, a lot more balls in play. You know, we're seeing more home runs, all that kind of thing. The game is extremely high variance right now. It's really largely coming down to, are you getting hits with a runner in scoring position, yes or no? Yeah, that's pretty much what the game is. A few years ago, it was the juiced ball, and it was, are your home runs coming with men on base or not? But this year, you know, now that we're seeing fewer strikeouts, we're seeing more balls in play, 
it really boils down to performance with runners in scoring position. For example, I was on the over yesterday in game two between the Rockies and the Nationals. Washington was one for 16 with a runner in scoring oh. position. In game one, they oh. were eight for 15. And then, of course, today they did well offensively again. But you're going to have some games like this here where teams just don't get hits with men in scoring position. In this game, combined five for 30 between the two teams, and it still went over the total with 11 runs. So just kind of looking at that, you know, performance with runners in scoring position is always important, but it's magnified even more right now because of the run environment that we're in. That is is fascinating. And we, we talked as well. We're going to discuss some of these. Uh, now, again, that we're into the Memorial Day weekend stretch, we've got a lot more data. We're going to talk some first five numbers and how things are maybe a little bit different this year than they were traditionally or in seasons past. We'll also talk defensive metrics, Adam, because that it's something that we kind of just throw out. And we I know we've said, I know I've said the statement before on the show of, look, we overlook defensive overall performance all the time when you talk about handicapping on a day-to-day basis because it's not as easy to quantify you know you're not as lazy as just you know you don't just look at how many errors a certain guy or team makes so it's something we want to get into more we're going to talk about that next segment because I, I think you make a really uh, fascinating point for what it's worth Dodgers 295 with runners in scoring position this year and I'm sure that's one of those as well Adam where you're looking more at the uh, the, you know, the advanced metrics the, the batting average on balls in play the hard hit contact specifically with runners in scoring position to, to give you a better idea. But like the Dodgers are at the top. Cardinals are second at 286. And then all the way at the bottom, you got to Toronto 198, Pittsburgh 197. So some some numbers that are uh, are very glaring on both ends of the spectrum so far. And I think that's something we're going to take a little deeper dive on if I had to if I had to guess here at some point. Yeah, and interestingly enough here today for Toronto, 7 for 17 with a runner there in scoring position with their 11 to 10 lead. So some positive regression finally happening in that department for them. And you know, we talked about that with Toronto, and, and they haven't really performed, you know, to the degree that I expected them to in terms of improvement with runners in scoring position. But Boston has, because that's another team that we talked about where they had a lot of guys with low batting averages on balls in play in those high leverage plate appearances with men in scoring position. That has obviously changed because they've basically been the best offense in baseball over the last three or so weeks. So those are things you want to look for. You want to look for those extreme outliers to regress to the mean a little bit, either the really low ones or the really high ones. Toronto is still going through that process, but Boston is a perfect test case, a perfect example of how that type of strategy works where, you know, offensively they're getting those big hits now. And obviously mm-hmm. we've seen them play a lot better of late and seen their offensive numbers skyrocket. Uh, Lois Bapip as well. Blue Jays 229 with runners in scoring position. It was on their batting average on balls in play. 95 yeah, or something. It, it when we talked lower. about it. So, yeah, there we look. Look how look how the numbers are just playing out right in front of us. It's like it's like the math sometimes actually bears out in real life. It's a, it's a crazy <laughs> concept. Uh, speaking of of them, uh, the David Phelps show is now is now on at the Big A. Blue Jays eleven, Angels ten. Here he just he just got the first out. Did Phelps bottom of the ninth. So we'll keep you posted on that. That's the other game in progress outside of Sunday Night Baseball, where we go to the Big Apple. The Mets and the Phillies. Mets continue to be just incredible so far this year. Adam is they they now build up towards a double-digit division lead in the NL East, taking on the Phillies, and they've jumped out in front once again behind Chris Bassett on the mound. They led 3-0 against Zach Wheeler, although a little bit of trouble here in this top of the third. Philadelphia gets a run home. Their runners at the corners, two outs. Nick Castellanos up after Alec Bohm grounded into a double play uh, with the bases loaded. So uh, we, we've talked about this before, those amazing Mets, and we've also kind of had the same discussion Centered around, all right, Atlanta, when are you going to wake up? Mets, when are you going to fall off? We, uh, we did hear news about 
Uh, Jacob deGrom, at least, is getting closer and closer to, to ramping things up. So it seems like he his, 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 his date to come back for the Mets is approaching. But you look at it, Adam, I mean, you're... 31 and 17, now eight game lead as we enter play tonight. They have looked so good in this series, winning the first two and in prime position here for a sweep. Yeah, look, and when you look at the Mets, they've been a very frustrating team for me because I, I mean, I have backed them. I have tried to go against them a little bit as well. The starting pitching has been exceptional. They've been one of the best first five teams in all of baseball, which we'll talk about later on in the show. But when you look at their offensive profile and you look at their contact quality, their hard hit percentage is not good. It's in the bottom third of the league. They don't make a ton of high-quality contact, just kind of across the board. They don't hit for a whole lot of power, but here they are scoring about five runs per game, you know, just by putting the ball in play and, and really having a lot of batted ball success, I think, which is something that, you know, may be a little bit attributable to the defense in, in, in the National League East, which I don't think is really up to par, particularly when you talk about a team like the Philadelphia Phillies. But here's my question to you, Ben. So Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, the Mets host the Nationals. Probably another series win for them. Mm -hmm. They should take at least two out of three there. After that, at the Dodgers, at San Diego, at the Angels. So that's a brutal 10-game West Coast road trip. They come back home. They play your Milwaukee Brewers, four with Miami, two with Houston on the road, three more at Miami, and then two more with Houston. And that runs through June 29th. So the Mets are getting into a meatier part of the schedule here. So I sort of wonder if maybe this is a good time to go against them. Expect some of that offensive regression to come through. They are playing some better defensive teams throughout that stretch as well. The Dodgers are very good. The Astros are very good. I wonder if maybe we see the Mets kind of level off a little bit here over the next three to four weeks. That's fascinating because, and remember last year, it just so happens the NL East was that division where basically four of the five teams were at one point favored, and you could have gotten some tremendous plus money value you mentioned that, and right now the Mets are about a minus 255 favorite to win the division entering play today. Braves are your second favorite at plus 310, and, and the, the struggles of Atlanta have been well documented as they sit 23 and 25. But uh, Atlanta, you want, so you want to counter here with the schedule? At the Diamondbacks, at the Rockies. Now, the Rockies have been playing very well at Coors, but that, that's still a last-place team in the NL West. Home A's, home Pirates, Nationals, Cubs, Giants, and it is not until June 24th that you face a, an elite Dodgers team, albeit at home. So this is shaping up to be a pretty soft month as well for Atlanta and a pretty difficult one, as you point out there, for the Mets. Which is really interesting, too, because that's what we've been talking about throughout the season for the American League Central, where yeah. the Twins have just, it feels like they've played a collection of nobodies throughout the course of the season. And the White Sox have played a bit of a tougher schedule while going through a lot of injury adversity, while trying to overcome the ineptitude of manager Tony Larusa. And we, we yeah. keep waiting for, for a good opportunity to take the White Sox at a good price to win the Central. Maybe the books are still hip to this and, and just feel like Chicago is still the best team in that division. They're and still favored. With them. Right. They're, they're still favored, even though the Twins are playing well. But we are going to come to a point where the Twins' schedule steps up and the White Sox' schedule steps down. So now we're seeing the same thing in the National League East. And, and I'm not advocating for taking the Phillies or the Braves or something like that. But what I can tell you is if you think that the Mets are going to be the team that clearly wins this division, there's no reason to bet them now. Wait and see if they struggle during that patch. Maybe mm -hmm. let some of the other teams come back up to them. Then you'll get a better price on them. But if you do want to fade the Mets, and a case could be made for that, as I mentioned about their offensive profile, if you like the Braves, maybe this is the time to get on them with that really soft berry patch of a schedule that you're talking about. Because at some point, the Braves have to get better. Mm -hmm. I mean, there, there's just way too much talent on this team. 
And you look at a lot of their guys in their lineup, they're all struggling at the same time. So now they're going to face some below-average pitching for a while, maybe not with the Diamondbacks, who are much better than expected, but some of those other teams you mentioned, maybe this is where Atlanta's offense kind of gets going. You know, it's warming up in Atlanta, where the humidor maybe doesn't have as much of an impact on their fly ball offensive philosophy. Maybe this is the time that we want to play on the Braves. The problem is, from a game-to-game standpoint, they still garner so much respect out mm-hmm. there that you're going to be laying significant prices on them, even though they're pretty much a you know, below 500 well, team right now. And that's a part of it, too, where the Mets, I mean, you're, you're basically a $2.5 favorite to win the division. You've got an eight-game lead, which right. is pretty ginormous. I mean, look, we just talked about the Brewers, minus $4 favorites to win the Central, where they're With banged up, and, and they only have a three-and-a-half game lead. So I think that's, that's a great example of why, like, the markets are certainly in tune to this stuff as well. I, I wouldn't say that those numbers are – it's not like, you know, you're, you're catching a steal of a price there with Atlanta. It's kind of baked in, but it's at least interesting to to look at, uh, without a doubt, Atlanta plus 310. Phillies at 9-1. to one. However, uh, Phillies strike out here with uh, runners on the corners and two outs as Zach Wheeler goes back to the mound for the Phillies. So, good start for Chris Bassett. 3-1 Mets in Sunday night baseball. They're into the bottom of the ninth as well. In L.A., 11-10, Blue Jays trying to close it out. We'll update you on those two scores when we return. It's also the regression report with Adam Burke on the other side right here on the run line. You found VEASAN's premier baseball betting show. This is the run line. Baseball predictions made brighter. Join the Born in a Ballpark Challenge presented by Blue Moon to compete free for cash all season. Enter weekly prediction pools to fight for your share of $62,500 in total cash prizes. Head to DraftKings.com slash Blue Moon now to join the action. Blue Moon made brighter, 21 plus only. Terms and conditions and other eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Drink responsibly. It is the run line here from VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. With Adam Burke, I'm Ben Wilson. If you're Tuning in, looking for thoughts on the NBA Eastern Conference Finals Game 7, which tips off momentarily, I suggest go check out JVT's Hardwood Handicappers. That podcast is up right now. He was just on before us. Uh, my my 15-second thought is it's kind of criminal that you have a total under 200 in a series where two teams have been incredibly efficient in the half court and are forcing turnovers. But I'm just a baseball guy, clearly, Adam. So people I'm, don't, I'm people just don't a baseball to, guy, too. Okay. Nah, we're, we're all the same way. <laughs> Celtics minus... What is it? Celtics minus three, 197 and a half is your total. Game seven. That'll be fun. Now they're, they're packing them in behind us. Clearly to watch you break down the intricacies of Cal Quantrill. I, I think you brought all the people. Because when, when I was talking to Ortega before the show, there was absolutely nobody out there. And you showed up, and now it's almost a full house back behind us. Well, there they are. Not not um, in the not in the seats you have to pay for. Now but, the guy with the fedora, he's de- now he's definitely streaming us on the phone. As we kick into high gear with the wasn't that a beret? Re- re- wasn't it a I, there was one in the I thought one on the oh. far side. Oh, there was oh. a beret front side, but okay. But berets, fedoras. There's a well, lot. Welcome to the haberdashery hour. There's a lot. There's a lot <laughs> going. The scenery here at the Circus Sportsbook. There is a lot. Uh, so with that being said, let's get into it. The regression report, and you're going to the Cleveland Guardians. Who it's it's kind of fascinating that this Cleveland team, which I know you've been very down on in general. They're finding ways to stay competitive. I mean, they're not that, it's not like they're out of the race at this point in the AL Central, especially with the struggles of the White Sox, but you're still not really high on this at least pseudo competitive streak continuing here. No, I mean, one way to stay competitive is if teams continue to pitch to Jose Ramirez, because I really don't know why anybody would do that at this point in time. I mean, I, I'd walk him like he's Barry Bonds, to be completely honest with you. Uh, you know, he leads the league in RBI with nobody around him whatsoever. I digress. 
So the Guardians here, speaking of RBI, they're going into this weekend, they were outstanding with runners in square position. And this is not a very good offense in general. Now, they do make a lot of contact. They don't swing and miss very often, but they don't make a lot of high-quality contact outside of basically Jose Ramirez, Owen Miller hits the ball hard, and every now and then when Franmil Reyes makes contact, he can hit it pretty hard and fly out at the warning track. But this is a team that, going into this weekend, led the league in OPS with two outs and a runner in scoring position by 55 points. So exactly what I talked about earlier on in the show with regards to that A's and Rangers game where the two teams were five for 30 with men in scoring position, the timing of hits can really cover up a lot of deficiencies on offense. Similarly, if you don't have much timing with it, then your offense ends up looking really, really bad. The Blue Jays are not a bad offense. They're not getting hits at the right time. The White Sox are not a bad offense. They're not getting hits at the right time. The Guardians are a bad offense, but they're getting hits at the right time. And their elite player, Jose Ramirez, who frankly should maybe be the front runner for the MVP right now. I know it's a world where Shohei Otani exists, but in terms of most valuable to his team, Jose Ramirez mm-hmm. is absolutely that guy. But to that point, the Guardians have they had some games with some really significant offensive blowouts. And in other games, they've done absolutely nothing of consequence. But they've been really good with two outs and men in scoring position. That's probably not a sustainable skill for an offense that's just not very talented, not very good. Now, they will be calling up some guys as the season goes along, infusing some new blood into this lineup and all of that. But it's really covered up how bad this offense actually is. With that being said, and I didn't put it on the graphic here, but when you look at their bullpen specifically, they've got a really low left on base percentage in the later Mm. innings. So they've lost some games that have kind of been some toss-ups. They've won some games that have been some toss-ups. So I think their pitching staff is actually in line for positive regression, but their offense is in line for negative regression. So maybe this is a team that we want to look for some unders with as we go forward here. Uh, Progressive field will start playing a little bit better, playing a little bit smaller now that it warms up. But still, this is just not a particularly good offense. And I think the pitching staff is a little bit better than it's been here so far. Look, 19 and 24 so far. Jose Ramirez is second in WRC plus in the majors at 197. There's only one guy who's at over 200. His name is Mike Trout. He's a, he's a he's, pretty good. He's okay. He's a pretty good baseball he's not player. Bad. Or so we've, or so we've. Maybe, maybe he's a one-year wonder though. Maybe, yeah. He's only done this for a decade. Like if he stopped <laughs> playing tomorrow, he'd be a unanimous Hall of Famer. Yeah, he would be. He should be at least. Jose Ramirez, will he? Uh, will he get there? That's an so, interesting. Di- well, uh oh, I just I opened so, the can. Of so I oh, think no. I think there's a chance that he could end up with Hall of Fame-esque numbers if they ban the shift next year, as they've talked about. So Jose Ramirez is actually one of the guys who's been most impacted over the last few years by the shift, especially because he's a switch hitter. He bats left-handed. His batting average on balls in play from the left side has actually been pretty low because he pulls just about everything. He's a very aggressively smart hitter in the zone. He pulls the ball to his power side, as you should in today's Major League Baseball climate, but he's a guy that's been really negatively impacted by the shift that has cut down his ability to put up a good batting average from the left side. And he's still pretty competent, to be completely honest with you. But he's lost a lot of hits to the shift. Mm. If that goes away next year, I again, I know we're in a world with Shohei Otani and Mike Trout. I will have a Jose Ramirez MVP ticket because I would expect his batting average, just by virtue of the shift being gone, being 25 or 30 points higher, That's if not more. Very interesting. Not a 280 career hitter at age 29 season, 175 career homers. So like there's, a, there's a path. I mean, there's four, a path. 400 is not out of the question at all. Stays healthy. We'll Plays see. good defense we'll at third see. base. Uh, what, before we get off the Cleveland subject, what do you think about the fact that they've only – I mean, it's been 
what, 16 games at home so far. They've played a, a pretty good share of their games on the road. 11-16 and 16 on the road for the Guardians so far. 8-8 eight and eight at home. You mentioned how you, you believe the progressive factor uh, to play in for the Guardians. And, and you look at their schedule, we mentioned seven and a half games back of the Twins. But, hey, look, it's, it's pretty soft here in the immediate future. Royals, Orioles, Rangers, two of those three series are at home. A's at home. Rockies, like that's the, those are the next five series. So it's a very interesting stretch here for a Guardian team that, again, it, it sounds like we kind of have regression going in, in different directions in different parts of this team and, and also not a lot of games that, uh, of sample size for them at home this year. Well, and so now you run into a scenario when you face some of these offenses, right? Zach Plesak can get better. Aaron Savali can get better. Cal Quantrill doesn't miss a lot of bats, but he's got really good command, stays off the barrel. Now you're facing teams that don't really make a lot of high contact quality anyway. So... I think that's where maybe we do see the unders kind of come into play where this offense just isn't all that good, but that slate of opposing teams gives their pitching staff a chance to improve. And as I said, you know, we'll see about progressive field. I know it can get very humid there. It's starting to warm up quite a bit. It was in the eighties today. Um, you know, maybe that is something that kind of balances out the offense a little bit, but I still think that, you know, this team is not a good lineup. The pitching staff is better than it's shown here so far. Some of their pitchers are starting to add velocity back now that it's getting warmer. Savale, uh, Plesak specifically, not necessarily Bieber just yet. But I do think that there are some unders in the future for this team. But to your point, 27 games on the road, 16 games mm -hmm. at home. They've had seven games rained out already, and I think most of those have been at home. So they have a lot of double headers coming up in the second half of the season. Those are things that are very difficult for a pitching staff, very tiring. Uh, but I, I do think that, you know, this is a team that, Maybe the record improves a little bit with that slate of, of opposing teams because the one thing about the Guardians that they've always done, they do not play well against teams better than them, but teams on their level or worse, they tend to be pretty good against. So maybe that's something that kind of continues here with that upcoming stretch. But I do think some unders, specifically if you can find them in starts with Plesak and Savali where their right. numbers are so bad that maybe a total becomes an 8.5 or a 9 when maybe it should be an 8 or something like that. I think those are opportunities we may want to look for. Look out for that. All right, so that's the regression report. A couple of uh, score updates as well for you. Blue Jays, David Phelps gets the job done in a save. Blue Jays, they sweep the Angels. Four-game road sweep. They've won five straight. 11-10 win the finals. A plus-145 dog in that one today. That total goes way, way over uh, the number of eight. And then, and then in Sunday Night Baseball, Chris Bassett and the Mets looking pretty good. 3-1 lead into the top of the fourth as a plus-money a shot here today, plus 110 to 114. That was a seven and a half run total coming in. And you mentioned earlier, Adam, it's a good segue into our first five data. Mets, what a, what a season it has been for them on the first five so far. I know you've been crunching the numbers on this and how it compares to years past, just, uh, just in general here from a first five perspective. So I want to mention real quick regarding Chris Bassett yeah, here. Three, three walks in this game today. This will be his third time in his last four starts with at least three walks. We'll see if he walks anybody else in this game. He also gave up eight runs last time or, uh, on, on May 24th against the Giants and struggled a little bit against the St. Louis Cardinals on May 19th as well. So you already have these rotation concerns for the Mets. And now Chris Bassett, I, I don't know if there are any injury indicators. I'll have to look. But the strikeouts haven't been there for him. The walks have been up. The command has been down. The control has been down. That may be something that we okay. want to follow a little high, bit closer. Look, high strand rate, 81%. Yep. Uh, fielding and in pitching over 450. So. And as we talked about, they're going to start facing better offenses now. It, it may be a good time to fade Chris Bassett. You want Phillies plus two and a half, minus 155 in game? Is that what you're saying? Or are we not going there? Minus 155, not really. Yeah, that's a little. That's a little steep. That's, there's some heft 
to that. I've seen heft. there's a little some heft. girth. Uh, not the word I would have chosen. <laughs> heft is what I'll I'll stick with. We're gonna get to those first five numbers, okay? As we get, as we go next, we're gonna talk the first five numbers because there's some really fascinating data within what we're seeing because of how popular as well first five bets have become over the past few years. We'll discuss that next. We've got Cross Them Off. That is on the other side. Here from our Circus Sportsbook Studios in downtown Las Vegas. It's the run line here on Vison. Vsin's premier baseball betting show. This is the run line. Before you make your next bet, be sure to visit vsin.com to check the current betting splits data. The betting splits page will show you where the money and bets are moving for every game, and now it is updated. How about this? Every 10 minutes, you can see changes in all the action. You'll be able to see where the public is betting based on the number of tickets and where the money does not match the public opinion. You can check out not only today's action, but future events as well. Betting splits are another way. VSIN is here to make you a smarter, better year-round. Check out today's betting splits for every game at vsin.com. Or more aptly, at least for our purposes, check out the betting splits for tomorrow because we got a full slate Memorial Day baseball action. It starts uh, bright and early for us, Adam, on the West Coast, 10.05 a.m., 1 o'clock for you on the East Coast. With We got a little day, day and night doubleheader at Wrigley. Let's play two. Brewers-Cubs kick off the Memorial Day slate uh, tomorrow. So there's going to be a lot of action. I know you're filling in on uh, betting across America this week, Adam. So you've got your daily write-ups. How's it, how are those going, by the way? Good. Uh, going well. I mean, you're may, a writer may, at heart. So. Well, yeah, that part helps. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. The, the content is good. As far as the picks go, uh, you know, the month of May has, has been a challenge. April was really good, but the month of May has been a, a really big challenge here. And, you know, I think it's one of those things where, and you know this as well as I do, the sample size is so significant in Major League Baseball in terms of looking at positive and negative regression, look at some of those indicators that you want to play on or play against. But here we are again. It's a completely different season, you know, with the humidor early on. Now it seems like we have this big offensive uptick. So, again, in the middle of a season, everything basically changes. Last year it was the foreign substance crackdown. Now it's warmer weather dictating more offense, more carry, all of that. So it's just, you know, you're just you're constantly in the mode of making adjustments. And it's it's something that can be really, really difficult. But on the plus side here for both months so far this season, up about 11 units or so with nice. the daily article over all at right. Beeson.com, uh, the vast majority of that coming in April. But, you know, still, it's been uh, it's been a month full of adjustments. And hopefully June is a little bit more predictable now that we are seeing offense come back. Right. because that was kind of a great unknown would offense come back 
I think we, we have the answer that, yes, it appears to be doing so. And speaking of that, let's discuss something that has become now. It, it appears as though it, it makes sense because over the last couple of years, we've seen starting pitching, the length of overall starts go significantly further down. Bullpens have become much trickier to try to manage and handicap on a day-to-day basis. So the natural thought, Adam, from I think for a lot, of, a lot of casual bettors has been, all right, let's gravitate towards first five betting. We've talked about this in the past a little bit, but I know you've done it more of a deep dive, crunching the numbers here. And it's fascinating how we have both numbers, first five records as well, as also, uh, which is kind of an indication here of bullpens, we have numbers on how teams are doing who have leads after the first five. So what have you uncovered as we sit here now going into Memorial Day? Yeah, so, you know, it's really interesting. I wrote an article for Point Spread Weekly in April about first five betting. And, you know, in terms of how teams do with a lead after five innings, in the past, they've won on average about 83% of the time. This season, going into today's action, teams have won over 87% of the time with a lead after five innings. So the bullpens have, by and large, done their jobs, or at the very least, the offense has come back and found a way to win the game. But generally speaking, a team that has a lead after five innings wins 83% of the time. It's 88% this year. So people bet these first fives. They pay the extra premium in the market. They don't get as good of a number in some cases. I have seen a lot of times this year where the first five and the full game lines are pretty identical, that will push me towards a first five line Mm -hmm. if that situation is out there. But, you know, like I talked about yesterday with Dave Ross, I'm betting across America. You know, for those that play poker, you you know this. You remember the bad beats. You know, you remember those backdoor games. You remember, you know, when a bullpen blew a save, something like that. You don't remember when your team got a blown save off the other bullpen or when your team held on as they're supposed to do. So, People tend to shy away from the full game betting and gravitate towards the first five, despite paying a premium, just because they're kind of scarred about how you know teams have had some bullpen meltdowns. But again, we're talking about almost 88% of the time this season that a team that has a lead after five maintains it and wins the game. It's fascinating because I think a lot of us, and I include myself in this, I for a long time have always wanted to gravitate toward first five. And it's not just because of maybe concerns about bullpens, but I think for a lot of people, we view it as it's, it's, just, it's just easier to bet mm-hmm. first five because all you're doing, really, you're, you're handicapping two starting pitchers. You're finding a number that you like. And a lot of, like I know in my experience, a lot of times I don't even care about the full game number. I'm not even mm-hmm. comparing it. And so naturally what you're saying is, while there is that little voice in your head saying, okay, I, I know I'm worried about the bullpens. I don't want to have to sweat this out for four additional innings. The numbers are right there. Like they don't lie. And they are basically telling you, as you mentioned, don't let the very small sample of bad beats influence your thought and getting cheated out of a better number and you look at what we're at what we're seeing now there are 10 different teams Adam who are winning over 90 percent of their games when leading after five the St. Louis Cardinals who not like we consider them just an elite bullpen they're 23 and 0 with the lead after five innings and there's only three teams who have won fewer than 80 percent of their games when leading after five and and the team there's only one team who is or two teams who have more than three losses that's just staggering when you put it that way yeah, it really is. So uh, the Guardians are 11-0 and when they have a lead after right. five innings. I, Lock I, it I in. I don't know if that will continue, but so far it has. How about Houston? 27-1 and with a lead after five innings. As you mentioned, the Cardinals are undefeated, 23-0. and Tampa Bay, 20-2. and That's not a big surprise. San Francisco, 22-1. and And, in fact, they got one back today where they were trailing after five innings. In fact, they were getting no hit through six and two-thirds by Tyler Molly. Scored six runs in the eighth, win that game six to four. Uh, So that was an opposite example where a team was trailing after five innings and came back to win. But look, when you look at teams that have done well for the first five, none of them are a big surprise. I mean, Houston, 28, 15, and four. 
The Angels 27, 17, and 4. This was entering action today, by the way. Dodgers 29, 10, and 7. Uh, Minnesota 24, 15, and 8. Mets 28, 11, and 9. A couple of things that kind of stood out to me as I was going through some of these. Uh, you know, obviously the, the bad teams are bad for the first five, mm-hmm. the good teams are good for the first five. But something I never really realized, and, and maybe it's because I haven't played a ton of first fives this year, the number of pushes. Like I don't, I don't, I think I've had maybe one first five push or something like that on a side here so far this season, but there are a lot of them. I mean, Milwaukee 18, 18 and 11 for the first five. Wow. But when tied after five innings, Milwaukee is 10 and one. So another example of, of, you know, maybe looking at the Brewers as, as something of a regression candidate there, but you know, I just think it's kind of really fascinating to look at these things. And I got these over at baseball reference.com baseball dash reference.com. You don't really find too many places that actually track the first five records. So I have to go through a kind of a roundabout way over there at baseball reference, but it is really interesting because it shows you, you know, leading after five, trailing after five, tied after five. Um, maybe I should just make this spreadsheet available to anybody that wants it. Uh, you can hit me up on Twitter at skating tripods, Ben Wilson. You can tweet at Vison. Uh, I've got this sheet. I don't know how often I'll update it, uh, but you know, it, it's uh, a pretty helpful resource and tool. I, oh, I thought you're updating this every day, right? I mean, every 10 minutes. Just oh, like every, every, yeah. Just like betting splits. You're yeah. updating this every 10 minutes. Every yes, 10 minutes. Hit up Adam, not me on Twitter. I mean, I, I don't, I mean. No, I, blow, blow up his mentions too. I, I mean, look, I'm a very uh, self-aggrandizing person on Twitter. I don't really, I don't really contribute much except just shameless self-promotion. I don't contribute Adam anything is, on Twitter. Adam is the guy, Adam is the guy you want. That is a fascinating discussion. On the flip side, the Chicago Cubs, 0-22 in trailing after five. There are. Uh, and this it correlates as well as you would expect. Eight different teams are 6% or worse. They've won 6% or less of their games when trailing after five. So uh, this is, I think, it, it's kind of twofold, right? It's not only the teams are doing a good job with the bullpens and they're doing their jobs, but there have been a lot of late game uh, hitting scenarios where there are a bunch of teams who are just struggling to, to put together rallies. It's been as, as simple as that so far. Right. And again, keep in mind, one of the things I keep talking about is, you know, looking for the extremes to regress to the mean a little bit. So, Teams are going to win 12 to 13% of the time on average when they're trailing after five innings. And you have a Cubs team that hasn't done it yet. They're 0-22. Cincinnati, 1-24. Um, Miami, 1-19. You've got Seattle, 1-21. You know, these are teams that are winning fewer than 5% of their games when trailing after five innings. If the league average is 12 to 13%, at some point, they're going to probably start to gravitate towards league average a little bit. So... You know, I think that's something that's kind of important to take a look at, too. You know, the, the San Diego Padres, 5-10 and 10 when trailing after five innings, 33.3%. That's well above the league average. And a lot of people looking at the Padres as a negative regression team in a lot of ways. So, you know, it, like you said, it, it works both ways. You want to try to find the outliers one way or the other. You will have some teams that have been really good at sustaining those leads have some bullpen meltdowns. It's just going to naturally happen. A team like Houston. A team like the Dodgers, teams that are over 90% with a lead after five innings, they're going to trip up at some point. Not to say that you want to bet based on that necessarily, but just that it it is going to happen and people will get scarred by it, you know, because they're going to be like, oh, I can't believe I bet on that team and I can't believe I bet on that bullpen. Well, you know, there's a lot of data out there that can help you with full game betting as well. There are are 30 teams and there are 162 games per team. So, yes, they will happen at times, it's, but it's not, as you point out, I think it's a, it's a very good way of laying it out, that it's not the way to you know, totally hold yourself to a couple of small uh, data sets. Uh, speaking of the first fives, too, New York Mets, they're an out away from going to 29-11-9 on first fives this year. 
Wow. Cash cow. Moneymaker in the first cow. round. Uh, and they were I, and they were a dog today. I think it changes coming up. That changes. schedule increase. I think it levels off a little bit. Uh, top of the fifth. Chris Bassett and the Mets. Five, I should say, 3-1 the lead in the fifth inning here on the Phillies. We've got a big hour number two coming for you. I know they're packed in. They're sitting down. Get in your seats. Get ready. Hour number two of the run line comes up next. We'll begin with some cross-em-off discussion. That is up next here from VSIM, the Sports Betting Network. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month no matter what kind of entertainment you love addicted to true crime catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on a e crime central crave adventure explore asian action movies on hayah searching for something extreme check out skating snowboarding and more on fuel tv plus the global home of action sports and find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's hit nation playlist there's new free shows and movies to love every week say free this week in your xfinity voice remote getting ready to take on spring Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.